So really what, what I'm talking about in the book, when I talk about self-kindness, is finding the practices that connect you with God and then making space to practice them regularly. And that's not the kind of self-kindness message that you're going to see in magazine articles that say we need more self-kindness now. But that's what I think is really at the root of self-kindness, is, is staying connected to Jesus, who will teach us how to have self-compassion. That was Cindy Bunch, and this is the Things Above podcast. Well, today is another one of our Things Above conversations, and my guest today is Cindy Bunch, and I'm so excited that Cindy is on the Things Above podcast. Cindy is the associate publisher and director of editorial for Inner Varsity Press, my favorite publishing house, where she uh, acquires and develops books on spiritual formation. She is a trained spiritual director and lives with her husband and family in the Chicago area. I know Cindy pretty well because she's been my editor for, wow, a long time, the last six books, I think, that I've written, as well as the current book that I'm writing. Um, my nickname for Cindy is Cindy Bunch Editor Extraordinaire, because she is certainly that. She is an extraordinary editor, but more than that, many more things than that. But here's the thing. She has a new book herself, recently published by University Press, entitled Be Kind to Yourself, Releasing Frustrations and Embracing Joy. And it's a wonderful book. I love this book, and I'm so glad that she's here to talk with us about this incredibly important subject of self-care, something we need to think more about, and Cindy has thought long and hard and written well on this. So, Cindy, welcome to the Things Above podcast and this Things Above conversation. Well, thank you. I am really glad to be here. Well, I am excited. I love your book. Um, in fact, I, I wrote an endorsement your book. And in fact, I'm going to read what I wrote. Are you ready? That sounds great. This is what I wrote about your book. We need this book right now. It will teach you not only how to be kind to yourself, but also how um, to love yourself rightly so you can naturally be a blessing to others. That's what I wrote after I read your book and put it down and said, that's what I think about this book. And I'm excited to talk about it. Are you ready to talk about the book? Are you ready to jump in? I am ready to go. Okay. So the first question I ask every author on the Things Above podcast is this. Why did you write this book? Well, I have discovered in my time as an editor that sometimes the book that uh, an author decides to write is the book that they wanted to read. And that was actually the case for me. I had been looking for resources on increasing self-compassion um, and had found some secular books, but nothing from a Christian perspective. I, I wanted to, to uh, see if I could create the book I wanted to read. It seems to me that actually, as, as, you, as you noted in your endorsement, that if, if we could learn to love ourselves, then we would be better equipped to follow Jesus' call to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So I wanted to explore that theme. I was also sort of exploring much of my own journey in spiritual direction and understanding how much of that journey had really been in experiencing the kindness of Jesus towards me. I, th I think I figured out over time that despite what I 
thought I knew about grace, I was constantly judging myself. And then at a deeper level, assuming that I was not living up to Jesus's expectations. My theology wasn't aligning with my spiritual reality and my internalization. Mm. It's, you know, you know, that idea of false narratives. There's I'm familiar. Yeah. So there were a lot <laughs> of false narratives that I was discovering in, um, in spiritual direction. And my, my, my director would point me to the dissonance between what I, what I believed, uh, was, was true about Jesus and what I believed for myself. And, and I think I was trying to understand uh, and know, learn that Jesus had compassion even for me. Okay, so for our, any listeners who are out there going, well, spiritual direction, what is that? Is mm. that like I, someone who tells me how to get to the grocery store in a spiritual way? Yeah. Uh, I just made that up. It's GPS, right? No. So so spiritual direction is, um, so people are trained to be a spiritual director, which you are yourself. Mm-hmm. And just say briefly to, to those out there, like, what is the simplest explanation of what spiritual direction is? So a spiritual direction is a friend that, that sits with you and, and you talk about Jesus together. Um, it, it is a companionship and it's, it's a listening of one person to another and trying to sit and really listen for the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Spirit in, in your mm-hmm. life. So it's not it's not directive at all. It is it is confusing that way. Um, most most directors really just listen and ask reflective questions and pray and you know maybe point point you now and then to some sort of spiritual practice. But for the most part, it it is a an act of friendship and companioning. Yeah, it's yes, right. So it is it now. This isn't like you know chatting with your pal at the pub. Yeah. Not that certainly as Christians, you'd ever be at a pub, but um, kidding. But, but uh, I mean, like people who do spiritual direction are trained as you are. So the director, as I understand, I'm pretty, pretty well versed in this. I have spiritual director myself. Um, the director has been trained to sort of listen, sort of like on behalf of God in a way, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the spirit, you're, you're listening to the person speak, but it's almost as if you're the one who's, who's listening from the perspective of the spirit to sort of and you, you, you talked about, did you say dissonance and, and consonance, or was that me reading into, because I know those words? Yes, I mean, um, in, in terms of, right, exactly, what I was saying about God that I believed and what I was really, and what I was internalizing and sort of reflecting, yeah. yeah. So, for instance, exa- like if you're my spiritual director now and I'm telling you, boy, you know, sometimes I really feel like God is mad at me. You might then, as my spiritual director, on you might follow up with a question, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what. But you'd be getting at this idea of like, where did that narrative come from that you that you think that, and is that right? Yes, that's right. So you're so you're you are asking often asking questions that kind of pull you deeper in to a person's journey, and you are you as a director. I I mean, I'm just sort of praying and and trying to notice as the person talks you know, what is that thing that I'm, that I'm drawn to that I feel like I need to pursue and mm-hmm. what do I need to let go? So it, yeah. it is an interesting process that way. But, but what yeah. I find a, a lot of times, um, particularly if the person has been um, following Christ for, for a period of time is that often the person that the directee knows, they know the truth 
that kind of like at some deep level, deep level, they know the answer to their own question. It's just, it's sort of talking yourself there. Uh, yeah. If, if that makes sense. So I, I often find that just, yeah. <laughs> just in that listening and maybe a few prompts that the, the person kind of gets themselves to, to yeah. the place that God would be taking them. Well, I mean, what's fascinating though, is that, I mean, and I didn't fully grasp this till just in this conversation that, that it was through your own spiritual direction as you are, your director is sort of pointing out certain things that, that that's where the book was kind of, was uh, being birthed. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was definitely part of it was, was that journey of kind of really seeing myself as Jesus saw me, saw me. I, that's me. what I love about what you said, Cindy, because it's like you, you, your director was helping you see yourself as Jesus did and that, and the kindness that Jesus has towards you. Mm-hmm. Was I love that because you're then beginning to sort of saying, wow, am I kind to myself? And then mm-hmm. I, I, I'm imagining that you probably also notice because when you're writing, for me anyway, I notice that when I'm writing in something, I see it everywhere. Did you start to also notice that other people are really not very kind to themselves as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, so I, I talk a lot about uh, the, the inner critic in, in the book and the significance of identifying the inner critic and, and dealing with that. And so I do, I do notice that in other people. And of course, um, authors can be particularly subject to the inner critic. Right. Yeah, no kidding. What I love here though, is your book is about being kind, but not about being kind to others. That's sort of implied that we all need to do that. Um, cause we're taught that as kids, right? Be kind to, mm-hmm. to others. But your book's about being kind to oneself. Why is that so important to be kind to yourself? And why is it so hard? Yeah. So so we have this text that we have often heard, love your neighbor as yourself. And and when it's preached, we, we might have heard, of course, this sort of nod to, well, we shouldn't neglect ourselves as we care for others. But often it, that piece of it is just giving a passing nod and we tend to then jump to what does it mean to serve others and serve the world? And we tend to not really dig into what does it mean to be self-compassionate? And yet we know that even Jesus took time away from the crowds he was teaching to pray. So um, I, I think that it's important to develop self-kindness because as we do that, we develop empathy towards others. Um, so it is, as we are, as we learn to be good to ourselves, we actually naturally increase in, in goodness and, and empathy towards our neighbor. Um, Anne Lamont talks about how she learned from others who were getting sober, um, uh, in the way, um, that you do in, in AA and you get a, you know, you get a sponsor, um, and, and then help someone else. So you, you first learn it for yourself and then you extend yourself to someone else. Um, and that's a, that's a good pattern for um, learning self-kindness. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that is the, that is the pattern, right? Is mm-hmm. that we, we can't impart what we don't possess. We can't, you know, give to others what we ourselves don't have. So you're saying in the process of learning how to be kind to yourself, you can then be in a better place to be that towards others, mm-hmm. which leads to my next question. And, and, and that is, uh, and maybe this is kind of why it's hard for us. And that is that sometimes we think that being kind to yourself 
is being selfish mm. or being narcissistic. Like, well, you know, there's, there is a Christian narrative, like I should just, you know, be really brutal to myself and, uh, and hard on myself, but, but really kind to others or something. Um, I mean, so contrast this idea of being kind to oneself with being selfish or narcissistic. How is, how is it not that? So this is not a book about how to go on a spa day. Um, it is about connecting to God in our everyday lives. So, for example, I, I, one of my stories is about going to the DMV to get an admissions test. And there's this extraordinary line and it makes me miserable and angry. And, um, and we're talking about the line going down out the place, down the street, around the corner, blocking traffic. There was so <laughs> such a long line. And so is that going to ruin my day? It was a Saturday, too. Um, mm. You know, so what, what am I going to do with these kind of like everyday frustrating things that happen? Um, am, am I going to let that separate me from God who might be near, who might be speaking to me, who might be showing me something about a person or uh, about something in my life or something I need to do or um, or just want to, you know, reveal something to me in nature that is is beautiful or enjoyable. Um, so when we learn self, self-kindness and patience with ourselves, right? Cause I, I, why was I at the DMV on that particular Saturday at the end of May, which was the last day <laughs> that I could get my mission test taken before I had to have my license plate renewed. So then I get in this self-talk cycle where I'm, bad at myself because I did this dumb thing because I waited to the last minute and I should have known. And so again, it's, it's not helping. It's not serving anybody for me to be in that bad head state sitting there being, being angry. So, um, so the kind of self-kindness I'm talking about is learning to talk to ourselves as kindly as we would talk to a friend. If I, if I tell my friend I had a bad day and I lost my keys, my friend doesn't say, well, that was stupid. Why don't you have a place that you keep your keys so you don't lose them? Well, if they do, you should get rid of that. That's friend. right. Yeah. If you're picking yeah. the right friends. So, yeah. the, you know, the friend might say, well, you've been a lot uh, under a lot of stress. Think about this thing and this thing and this thing. Look at all the stuff you're doing. It's no wonder you misplaced your keys. And so can we learn to talk to ourselves? Just like that, just like a kind, generous friend. Yeah, that that in itself is brilliant, right? I mean, just if if a listener today doesn't listen to anything else, I would think just do that. You know, talk to yourself like your friend would talk to you, or like you would talk uh, you mm-hmm. would talk to to another friend. I mean, that's really brilliant, Cindy, because that is it gets at it, right? Because we don't, the inner critic, we don't talk to our friends like inner critics. We mm-hmm. talk to our friends like trying to really support them and say, hey, uh, yeah, that's brilliant. I cut you off, but go ahead. Well, and then the other thing that we need to say here, though, is um, sometimes the, the problem, the thing that's bugging us, the thing that's in our minds is sin, right? That's something that we have done wrong. And so when we become aware of that, then there's still a question of, well, what do we do with it? Um, and so um, we, we may need to address it. We may need to confess it. Um, David Benner writes in The Gift of Being Yourself, 
Self-transformation is always preceded by self-acceptance. So rather than beating ourselves up or comparing ourselves to others or just giving up, we can say, thank you, God, for letting me see this issue of sin. Forgive me. Help me to grow. And then with these, again, kind words to ourselves, we're likely to be able to fully let it go, move on, take any actions we need to take, and serve God and others more fully. I love that. I love that. It's kind of like if Mr. Rogers were helping you confess. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Be kind in the way, you know, like the, you've made a mistake here. You've really blown it. You, uh, and, and, that's, and that's crucial. I, I love that you have that distinction because, I mean, first of all, you're saying two things I think are important. One is this isn't spa day, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, there's a place for spa day. Sure. But, but that's not what this is. And also, this isn't just a carte blanche acceptance of everything because there's stuff in, within mm-hmm. us that we don't want. And even our, you know, I think it was St. Augustine who said, if our friends, you know, can't point out our sin, they're not our friend. And so in the same sense that, you know, that, that inner critic's not our friend, that kind of friend, but in the same sense, anyone who just would look the other way and say, yeah. So I love that you've got that balance, that sort of caveat to say, well, there is this too. Like, so when we recognize we're distant from God, we then gently repent in a, in a way that's, uh, mm-hmm. I, that, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's, there's two questions that really form the central practices of the book. And these questions are at the heart of really of every chapter. And that is one is one question is what is bugging you? And the other one is what's bringing you joy. Mm-hmm. So uh, t- t- tell our listeners why those two questions are so crucial. Yeah. So I, I latched on to those questions when I was reading a manuscript by Jem and Alan Fadling, who you know, um, and it, they were working on their book, What Does Your Soul Love? And in this section where they were describing how we place ourselves in a state of openness before God, they wrote, notice when you are bugged. And something about that statement just kind of hooked me and stopped me up and I was I was in editor mode. I wasn't reading for my own formation. Um, so usually I'm thinking more about structure and audience and, you know, all the things I want the author to do. Um, but <laughs> Been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, but uh, sometimes there's something that just jumps out at me and I know that there's something there for me. So I, I kind of made a note of that and came back to it later. And I decided to take that statement, notice when you're bugged and make it into a question and make it uh, part of a daily practice of the examine. And so um, in the examine, which is from St. Ignatius, the idea is to look at the the moments of desolation, which are the moments that we're far from God, that we feel far from God, and the moments of consolation, which are the moments we draw near to God. Um, and I have tried, I had tried that practice over the years. Usually you hear do it at night and that didn't work for me. So what would happen is I would like go back through the day and I would think of all the things I did wrong through the day. <laughs> That's kind of what I, what I would do with the yeah. practice of the exam. So I decided to try doing it in the morning when I was sort of fresher and things felt lighter. But something about these, this way of reframing the questions also helped me. So what's bugging you? So what are the things that are frustrating you? What are the things that are pulling you away from God, pulling you away from focus, fully, you know, kind of the low hum in your brain of annoying things? 
Um, and what's bringing you joy? Um, what are the gratitudes? What are the ways that you have a little, maybe a God sighting or a moment of grace or kindness or beauty? Um, and so each day I write down those two questions, number one, number two, and I write, just write a few lines of things that I recall from the previous day. And that uh, has been uh, a really helpful practice for me. So if you were with uh, St. Ignatius, and let's just call him Iggy, let's just make him mm-hmm. oh, okay. modern. So you, you're, you're, you're like, Iggy, I, I dig your consolation desolation, but you know what are better questions? <laughs> What's bugging you? What's bringing you joy? Yes. Which I think that would be kind of like the Eugene Peterson message version of, of St. Ignatius for today. For today, Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, those questions for us today are, I mean, who uses consolation desolation? They're not part of our vernacular. But what I love is when you, you know, what's bugging you? Who doesn't know what that is? Like mm-hmm. Everybody knows. Probably every second of the day I can grab somebody, you know, in the hallway at work and just say, hey, what's bugging you? And they, if they're honest, they'll probably go, uh, my coworker. I don't know what, it, you know, mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And what's bringing you joy it might be harder. I mean, we do something at dinner we call high-low every mm-hmm. night at dinner with our family, which is like, what was the day where you, you know, and, and they're similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, that idea of, okay, so it's about paying attention, right? It, that's yes. kind of what you're getting it at. Is, it is another way to help uh, help us pay, pay attention to, to the work of God in, in our lives and around us. Yeah. And I mean, on page 21 of the book, you write, you know, God is always reaching out to us, wooing us, especially through creation. And you write in that section about how important it is to pay attention, in this case, not to what's bugging you necessarily, but to, to the beautiful things. And um, in fact, that's the opening practice of the book. So um, why did you start with this? I mean, and, and then how do you practice paying attention to beauty personally? Yeah. Well, you know, you had already taken the idea of starting with sleep. So I had to come up with something else. Yeah, it's else. tough to beat that. <laughs> it is. That's such a good it's very one. Popular. It's a good self-kindness <laughs> practice, actually. It is. Um, so yeah, beauty um, for me personally is is a, such a path to, to gratitude. And um, it is a way that I experience God near, God in, in creation, the creator, um, and, um, so for example, one of the, the practices I, I, uh, suggest is what I call a Visio Divina walk, where you go for a walk and you notice, um, back to this word dissonance, you either, you notice either what is ugly or dissonant to you and, and, or what is beautiful and resonant with you. Um, and you can, we all got our phones with our cameras. You can even take some pictures and I'll go back and sit and work with those images and just think about, well, how is God speaking me today to me today in this, in the natural world right around me? So that's the idea of Visio Divina is, is God speaking through image, um, through nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I love what you do with collages and, and, and I've, I've been, you, you're doing a, this incredible stuff with collages. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm going I love collage. It's my to talk to you about. personal, yeah, one of my personal favorite things to do. So one of the things I do, for example, for a person that doesn't like, uh, I don't know, feels like they don't like 
physical kinds of art is you can take, you know, you can get a little app for your phone and you can make a collage, build a collage on your phone. And so I have a picture of, of one of those, a photographic collage, in other words, of images that I put together. Um, and I, I do love making collage from pictures and found objects um, around me. Um, it is such a simple practice. I, I um, did a course. I saw your Halloween wrappers. Yes. I saw them. <laughs> Candy wrappers can be a collage. I don't know that that was spiritual so much as fun. But <laughs> um, there a difference. Come on. Yeah. It yeah. Can be fun and, so and I, fun. at one of the apprentice institutes, Juanita Erasmus did a, uh, or not institutes, but one of the apprentice conferences, uh, gatherings, we call them yes. now. Um, uh, Juanita Erasmus did a workshop. Um, on collage and yes, I remember that. it is just to take magazines to sit with those images again to notice just like I described with the photography to notice what is stirring you what are you drawn to what's pushing you away and putting putting those together in a prayerful mode and and listen to God speak um, it's really amazing and and it's it's a chance to you know with the with the uh, magazines and paper images to kind of go analog and cut and paste and that's good for us too. Yeah, it's it, I mean it's a beautiful thing and then well, hence the word right beauty right it draws us mm -hmm. into into that. So chapter three fits really well with this podcast. It's titled uh, Beyond My Control: Creating a Mental Playlist. So explain to our listeners what a mental playlist is and why it's important to. Create the right one. And then if you could give an example in your own life, that, that would help us get a feel for what you're going for. Mm -hmm. So mental playlist is um, it those negative thoughts and the worries that just go over and over on repeat in, in our brains. And, um, you know, we can just get hooked on a certain thing that's bothering us. It's certainly easy these days. And um, so we need some mental patterns for response when those negative thoughts plague us. And then the, the first thing I think, though, is important as we, as we get into this pattern of noticing, noticing where we're hooked is not to berate ourselves because we do this, because we all do it, right? So the first thing is to say is to be compassionate towards yourself. Maybe even think about yourself like a small child. And, and how, what would you say to a small child who fell down and skinned their knee? Have some, some sort of ready phrases for yourself when you, when you notice that, that you're worried, that you're anxious. And then have a spiritual practice um, that can help you break out of that. So in that chapter, I tell, um, you know, what for me was one of the harder stories, um, in, uh, which was... Uh, during a, a divorce, my my son was very small, and and my husband left, and um, he was ill, and and I was just very very hooked, and my spiritual director uh, hooked on you know all these worries um, about what was going to happen to him and us, and and my spiritual director said just pray the Jesus prayer whenever you think about it, and so I would pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. A sinner, and you and and you just can pray. Some a lot of times I would even just pray, Jesus have mercy, because I couldn't even 
remember the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, but it's having something like that, something simple that you go to when you, when you notice you're going back to that negative place. Yeah. And I, well, I mean, this podcast is built on an idea, right? Set your mind on things above. And I say it every time, every episode, right? This is a podcast for Mm. mind discipleship Mm -hmm. because mind discipleship, as Greg Boyd said, is the most important kind and probably the one we pay attention to the least. You know, we just don't really think about that. We think, well, my, my discipleship is going to be Bible study and reading and mm-hmm. fellowship and worship and various things that I do. But man, what's going on between our ears? What we're thinking is just absolutely, uh, absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so glad that you write about that. So chapter four really hit home with me, especially in light of where we are today. Uh, and that is in terms of social media, because we, you know, I, I said this probably 10 years ago that I thought the most important thing that we needed to really be thinking about in Christian spiritual formation is the the impact of of social media, mm. because it's it's so pervasive and it's I, it's such a part of our lives. I, I watch. The other day I was leaving the university. I'm not kidding, and I was standing. I was going to cross the street to where my my car was parked. And there was some students driving down. So I had to stop on the curb and wait for them to pass by. And when the car slowly went by me, literally both the driver and the person in the passenger seat were both staring at their phones. Mm, wow. I thought, is this a self-driving car? Because I don't know mm. what in the world is happening. And, and I watched them slowly pass me and keep on going. And I thought, wow, these screens, man, they've got us. And... You know, if you, I don't know if you've seen Social Dilemma, but I mean, there's all these documentaries that are like, we need to think about this. But what I, I, I just, you, chapters, it is titled, I saw it on Twitter, knowing what to let go. Why is it so important? What have you learned, Cindy, about, you know, shutting down some of our technology? Why is it hard for us to do? And like I've said before, and like, how do you do it? Like, what's your practice? Mm-hmm. There, there's a couple issues for, that I wanted to explore with the, the social media. W- one is... Uh, for me, I can kind of get uh, focused on the question of what do I need to speak out about? Like, where is my voice needed and where is my voice just adding to the noise and sort of navigating that, that, you know, I I need to shut it down because it's not helping me or anyone else for me to keep looking or, you know, I need, I need to say something because maybe I have influence and I need to speak into this issue. So, so that's one kind of thing is, is, is just to be aware of that tension and ask yourself the question, which I, I quote Suzanne Stabile's phrasing of this, what's mine to do? Where, you know, where do I need to step in? Where, where can I just let it go? For me, a lot of times, all my friends are saying the same thing. So I feel like, you know, I, I'm just saying the same thing everybody else is saying. So what's the point? Um, but there's other times that I maybe just feel really convicted and I do feel like oh, I need to weigh in and, you know, and make, make some point. Um, a lot of times I, I like to just, you know, to point to the beauty, right? Just point to something else and, and uh, help people find light and life and community and uh, relax. (laughs) I think we need more of that on social media, but whatever it is for you, it's just a question of being thoughtful about it and being aware of, you know, how do you navigate these spaces and, and what is yours to do? What is your calling in these spaces? Um, So that's one piece of it. And then another piece 
is is as you were noting about social dilemma and some of the other issues it's just that we need analog time we need time that we are off social media and we are using our brains and our bodies in other ways uh, without that so that what was so much fun about i made a, a candy wrapper collage that you saw on halloween where i just took all the candy wrappers my friends and i had eaten and and piled them you know together in a pleasing way and arranged them and it was it was a blast um so what whatever again whatever it is for you if it's it's you know being outside playing a sport playing with your dog playing with your children um but putting that that phone away and uh and being able to be present so absolutely yeah it's so good so how do we get there right is what yes. is the other part of it then yeah. what and so we need we each need to develop for ourselves some boundaries that work for us and for me what's been important and helpful has been an idea of kind of like they do at a at a monastery have they have the great silence overnight where you don't speak so i don't do that but but i have a great silence where i put away my phone so maybe nine o'clock at night or so i shut it down don't look at my phone i try to stop looking at my work stuff you know earlier than that and um and then in the morning i get ready have my time with god and then really not till i'm going to work do i pick back up on the on the social media um so it's having that time of setting it aside and starting the day with god before i start looking at all that stuff um it's been really helpful to me that's really good i love it the great silence that's so good well you know implied in what you just said is a, i think an important truth in spiritual formation is, you know, what, what it is that works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, some introverts don't need more solitude. They need fellowship. Some mm-hmm. extroverts need a little less fellowship, a little more solitude, whatever. It is. And, and all of us, I think in various ways, and even in different seasons of our life, I, I've noticed certain practices um, are more important to me now than they were in my twenties. And so, so, so given that principle that we're at different uh, everybody needs some different things, right? But there's a lot that are in common. So here's my last question. Um, you've thought a lot about practices. I mean, for heaven's sake, you, you're the editor of the Fermatio line of books on spiritual form. By the way, how long have you been the, the main editor of Fermatio, the line for, has it been a, at least a decade? Yeah, it's been m- more than maybe 15 years. Yeah, 15. So for 15 years, you've been reading and editing books on spiritual formation by the way, some of the best books That's right. in the last 15 years come out of the university presses from audio line. So, I mean, you of all people, you've seen practices, you're a spiritual director. You, What do you think, given that everybody's different, but what do you think would be like the top three practices for formation that pretty much all of us would do well to incorporate into the rhythm of our, of our days and weeks? So tough question, isn't it? The top three it is a tough question. Um, I felt like I could claim one, and that's the one this book really focuses on, which is an examine. Um, it's it's taking daily time to reflect in in some way. If you don't like 
what's bugging you and what's bringing you joy than how let me let me let me interrupt you and i've said this before on this podcast but examine for those who want to study what it is Mm -hmm. if you want to google it it's spelled differently than you think Mm. it's e-x-a-m-e-n it's not i-n-e so that's so if you want to study examine that Cindy's talked about, it's so important. Anyway, so examine. Yes, Go ahead. no, that's helpful. And some people say examine, so whichever you prefer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so taking some daily time for reflection on the previous day, where are you with God? Um, like, you, you know, you brought up high-low, you know, would be another way to modify that. And for me, it's been really helpful to write it down. That has actually given me the most consistent journaling practice I've ever had, even though I just write down a few sentences each day um, for what's bugging me and what's bringing me joy. And what that does then is I can also look back over that over time and see what are some patterns of where I'm, you know, where I'm hooked and, and also what are some patterns in what brings me joy each day? Maybe I want to do more of those things. Maybe I want to put myself in the, in the space that gives me joy. Um, and that's self-kindness. Um, so I, I think, and then for me, the other two are some type of spiritual reading every day. Um, and, um, and this practice I was describing of shutting, shutting off technology for a period of time. Uh, and I think those are pretty good, simple three, but uh, I, I think, you know, for other people, centering prayer is a good core practice. Um, Lexio Divina with, with scripture, reading scripture and reflecting. Um, lots of people love the Pray As You Go app. I use that often. Um, that's really helpful. Um, so I do think that I love your idea of just three, you know, to have something simple and doable for you, for your lifestyle that you can fit and and practice regularly is is what's the most important what whatever that those specific things are i like yeah i love that i, I have a friend who's a, a trainer physical trainer at a, at a gym she's mm-hmm. uh, but i once asked her i said so like what's the best exercise and her answer was the one that you'll do mm, <laughs> and i that always stuck that's with me you know, great like, yeah you could say, uh, is it swimming is it yoga is it mm-hmm. weightlifting? you know whatever it is they're all good right but the one that you're actually going to keep doing is is probably uh, the most important one, right? Because you're you're something about it. It's working for you. You're getting benefit from it. It's not too hard, too easy, whatever. And uh, I, I just I've used that principle, and I, I think it works in the spiritual life as well. Like, what's the best practice? Well, the one that you'll do, like, yeah, with consistency over time. I mean, there's some side some practices I like. I need to force myself to do that, and that's that's. But wow, those are good. I love that. The, you know, examine and, um, and this, this incredible idea of, uh, the great silence is so good. I mean, these are, these are great practices that you're, and spiritual reading. I mean, I I mean, that's the term I would use Mm -hmm. in terms of, Mm um, those have been so huge for me. They, they, spiritual reading. I mean, gosh, I wrote devotional classics really because that was probably the most formative practice early for me as a Christian was thanks to thank you forever, Richard Foster, for just saying, Jim, you need to read the classics. Like, what are those? Mm-hmm. Suddenly I was reading Teresa of Avila and Augustine and John of the Cross and, you know, Merton and now and all these people like that's huge for me. Mm-hmm. Are those the kind of readers you read or? or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, those those kinds of folks. But I, I mean, I would roughly also include some sometimes I've just read through a book of the Bible too, you know, so it's a, it could be a mix of things uh, that 
changes over time. Um, yeah, I had a period of time where I just tried to read every now and book I could get my hands on, um, which took about a year. Yeah. <laughs> so, cause there's a lot. Um, so, so really what, what I'm talking about in the book, when I talk about self-kindness is finding the practices that connect you with God and then mm -hmm. making space to practice them regularly. And that's not the kind of self-kindness message that you're going to see in magazine articles that no. say we need more self-kindness now. Um, but that's what I think is really at the root of self-kindness is, is staying connected to Jesus um, who will teach us how to have self-compassion. Absolutely. Well, you sold me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm down. No, I already, you had me at, uh, at the beginning of this book. I love this book. And it's, it's, you know, it's a small book. It's not a giant mm -hmm. read. It's not a lengthy, but you know, I, when I think of books, I think of certain books that, um, are massive tomes, you know, like divine conspiracy that are hard. This, this book, Sydney, that you've written is, it's so easy to read and it's not because it's simplistic. It's simple in that you can really get it, but it's, uh, it's just packed with deep wisdom. And, and, you know, I often say some of the, some people think, wow, those people who are really hard to understand, they're so brilliant. I'm like, no, they're not They're If you're brilliant, you should make it easy. <laughs> and if, if you're, if it's confusing, they're not that smart. I know that sounds mean, but you, what you've done is you've taken this, what we've talked about today and so much more and made it so accessible. So, Thank you for, for writing it. I, as a writer, I know it takes a long time, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and uh, and you did it though. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's uh, and as you know, as Dallas Willard would say, books are doing their work while you're sleeping. So the book is out doing things while while you're sleeping, doing that good spiritual practice in, in the good beautiful God. That's right. And. <laughs> And the book's doing its thing. So, Cindy, thanks for being on the on the, the Things Above podcast and this conversation today. What a blessing. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Cindy Bunch. I know I did. There's so much good stuff. And being kind to ourselves, man, that is, it is the time for that, isn't it? I hope you join me next episode for episode 91. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.